0: where we keep you motivated and jamming all day long. Well, good Monday morning, everybody This is Dr. Walter Sims I'm host of the Dr. Walter Sims Show here on WJPMG Radio Uh, I am so excited about our guest today Just a phenomenal young man Uh, Before we bring him on the line He's all mic'd up and ready to go Want to give a shout out to Juan, uh, DJ Wifey, Miss Vanessa, Wilma Our whole WJPMG family And to you today for tuning in, checking us out here on WJPMG Radio Monday is our motivational day And I have a great young man uh, That has weathered some storms Uh, We're going to talk about the power of perseverance today And you know a lot of times We look at someone where they are now And they look very polished They look very good They look well established But Oftentimes there is a backstory, and today we have a, a literal a rag to riches story, if you will. Um, just, just this is just an awesome young man. He is, uh, he's done so many things, and I don't want to steal his thunder. Uh, so, without any further ado, I'm gonna bring on the legend, the myth, the legend, the phenomenon, the icon of perseverance, the man himself, brother Marcus Ogden. Marcus, how you doing, man? How you doing, Dr. Sims? Everything going all right, sir? Man, listen, I told you pre-production, I told you the only way I could be better if I was in Ogden like you and Jonathan. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Well, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate
0: you being on the show today. Well, listen, man, how, how's the weather where you are? It's been snowing in some places. We've been having flash flood warnings. Some places are hot and cold. What's the weather like where you are, Doc?
1: it's great it's probably about uh maybe about 55 or 60 degrees give or take uh it's a little rainy i'm down here in north carolina which is i'm in a little town called Cary. i'm I'm right outside of raleigh which is the capital of
0: north carolina oh man that is awesome well you know if if you could like give an elevator speech as to who marcus ogden is what would you say
1: I would say Marcus Ogden is an individual who's from Washington, D.C. He was born and raised uh, by a single father, uh, Cheryl Phillip Ogden, and my brother Jonathan Ogden, play in the NFL. To give you a snapshot of my life, make it very brief, I'm a former NFL athlete who got out of the NFL, that struggled with transition, struggled with time to find his, uh, re-find his identity, started an eight-figure construction business. Did very well, so I started this from the ground up, and it grew to eight figures in less than five years. Things were phenomenal, outstanding. I used great leadership skills, people like Bill Belichick, Steve Bishotti, who owns The Ravens, and other great minds like that. Ended up hitting a snag. I went bankrupt in 2013 because I spent money on a project that did not get paid back by the developer and contractor. I ended up coming down North Carolina with the NFL's help. I was hired and fired from two jobs in a week, worked for Merrill Lynch, fired, worked for a construction company, fired, fired twice in a week. I then became a hardworking janitor, making eight dollars and twenty five cents an hour on the graveyard shift. This was in two thousand thirteen. At the end of two thousand thirteen, around September range, I decided to become a speaker. For the first two and a half years, I got not one paid job. I got laughed, boxed, told I was crazy about society. Everybody that I knew Say I should become a football coach. I should be comfortable, and I should just take a job using my experience as a football player. I'm a former athlete and give that knowledge back, which I enjoy doing, but I didn't want that to be my full entire life. And now I'm a keynote speaker and a master storyteller, and I speak for clients like now J.P. Morgan and Chase, the Home Depot, uh, NFL Player Engagement Department, uh, New York Life, MetLife, Life—I can go down the list uh, of the laundry list now. And I also teach and coach individuals how to become better people. And I also have a leadership academy that I do once a year, where I bring together like-minded and business uh, and business savvy that want to elevate their brand to the next
0: level. Wow. Wow. That is so totally awesome. So, so those of us that are outside the game of football, we love football in this country. Uh, we love college football. We love professional football. What was it like for you to, to put your helmet on every Sunday and, and battle uh, in the trenches with your fellow athletes? What, what is what's the NFL like anyway, Doc? Kind of give us an overview of what it's like to play in the NFL.
1: The NFL is a brotherhood. It's where people are going to try to test your manhood to win the ultimate title, the ultimate trophy, the Lombardi trophy. But before you get there, you have mini camp. You have training camp. You have preseason. You have to earn the right every single day, every single play, to be on the roster, to be selected as part of the 53 men that represent your city, and your fans in battle in what I call the Coliseums which are the NFL stadiums. It's like being a gladiator from you know, you know back you know, in the BC times in Rome, and when they fought in the coliseum and all that. Only difference is you don't you're you're you're, you're not going to be put to death. The only difference is I'm saying you can get injured and you can have. All kinds of things go wrong as far as injury, paralysis, all that. Can't happen on the football field. But the only way I tell people all the time is just imagine being a gladiator and every day, every single play, you have to go out there and you have to earn the right of your coaches, your teammates, your opponents, and you earn the right and respect to keep your job, to stay. And I tell people all the time, if you make the victory man roster, you are the best football player that year in the entire country, I don't care if you come from a small school, D wow. NIA, I wow. A. I don't care if wow. you make a roster and you're on, even if you're on the practice squad or the 53 man roster. Right, you are the best football player in the in the world. Right, for that year,
0: that if you is awesome. For 12
1: years, you're best for 12 years. That's just the way it works.
0: That's pretty good. So, so let me ask this, and we're going to segue. Uh, and you know, when, uh, you invested in a deal and didn't get paid back for it. And that really set you back quite a bit. But while you were in the NFL, what was one of your best moments and what was, what, what was one of your, uh, most challenging moments in the NFL?
1: One of my best moments was I remember Marco Coleman, who was a longtime defensive end in the NFL for probably about thirteen or fourteen years before and when I was a rookie, uh, told me the best piece of advice I ever heard is if you're scared Marcus, if you have fear, it's okay. You just can't show it. If you show it and we as D Line can sense it, it's over for you. Oh god. Wow. There's no more success you're going to have in this league. So I learned how to channel my fear and put it into energy and passion to go out there and do a job that I enjoy doing every single day to have a career in the NFL when most people only last a year to a year, like a year to a year and a half. I lasted for almost six years. The most challenging part was I remember in the rookie year again getting beat for six sacks in a practice by one of my teammates when I was literally a rookie, I was trying to fit in with the vets, and the, the rookie, the veteran, told me to kind of slow down, don't, don't, don't go too hard. And I did that for a couple of plays, and he took advantage of me and beat me for a couple of sacks in a row. Then I got so frustrated with myself that I started playing full speed, but I lost my technique. I got beat for four more sacks. And I remember Jack Darío came to me and told me, "Okay, Marcus, six sacks in the practice, huh?" How much work can I ever get? He said. You got two choices. You can either man up, come out here tomorrow, get yourself together, put your big boy pants on, go to work, or you can go home, cry about it, come to practice tomorrow, have an even worse practice to get and get shipped out of here. Your choice. So I ended up taking his advice and channeling that anger I ever had in that moment of practice of getting embarrassed in front of the whole team, all of the scouts, all the people that drafted me and told me I was going to be a great player. I picked up my helmet, went back out the next morning, and ever since then, I've never got beat like that in my career ever again. And I always went out there, and I won more battles than I lost, and I just kept going out there every single day, every single play, to earn the respect of my teammates, my coaching staff.
0: And the front office of people that that put me in the, into the NFL. Oh wow, that is awesome, man! That so so you leave the NFL and you transition into a construction company. You got on your feet. You were successful. So so what was that project that you invested in that did give you the return on the investment that you anticipated? It
1: was the DHMH. Health laboratory for the Johns Hopkins University project in downtown Baltimore. I worked for Turner Construction uh, and Forest City. Forest City was the developer, uh, Turner was the general contractor. I was the earthwork package that I was bought. I was the earthwork contractor that I bought out the uh, total earthwork package, which was the grading, the utilities, the dewatering. And I was a minority contractor, so I fulfilled a large part of the contract, I had a $4 million uh, awarded project. Oh, wow. Things were going fantastic on the job for the first 60, about 45
0: to 60 days. Then around day 60 or 70 or
1: so, we had a snag where we could not dry or dewater the site. I hired a contractor out of Texas to do the work. They did the work, but the water kept rising. Found out later on there was a river underneath the job site. Doesn't make really much of a difference. So since we were the earthwork contractor and the water was not dry, the pressure was put back on us to get the site dry continuously. Uh, the contractor told us that we didn't do the scope of work. They were going to pull our bond. And then we were getting pressure from the concrete contractor who couldn't sue, couldn't set their spread footings. And it was just a whole big mess. By the time I turned around, I was so quick to react to the threats and the pressure from all the different people on the job the developer, the contractor, the other subcontractors. I ended up getting all of this stuff done for the job. When well, we finally dried the site, but it took millions of dollars in 90 days. And when I completed the scope of work and went to go get paid back all the money that I exhausted through my lines of credit, through my personal money, through my personal credit card, wow. through my home, home equity line of my house, I was, wow. it, was a business, it was a business equity line that was on my property. Right. Uh, I took out two loans from a loan shark, and by the time I turned around to get paid back, they,
0: they, they denied my change order, and I ended up going bankrupt in 2013. My Lord. Woo. So, so kind of talk to everybody about that moment because all of us have a defining moment in our lives. What was Marcus Ogden going through at that moment? Because like you just explained, you've gone through battles on the football field. Uh, you've gotten through college. You've gotten through a lot of things in your life. What was kind of going through your spirit at that day, at that moment in time?
1: I was extremely depressed, I was extremely angry at the world, I had lost my home, both my cars were repossessed in the same week, I was just in a state of shock, I was in a state of just this, how this happened to me, why me, I questioned faith, I questioned everything, everybody, and when I got down to Carolina, my real defining moment to when I had to turn my life around after being angry for so long was when I was a janitor, and we call it now, after, after meeting with Mel Robbins in Boston last week, it's called the spoiled milk syndrome wow.
0: moment, wow. where
1: I was taking out someone's trash and someone's spoiled milk got on my skin, do sitting down on the curb. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, putting my head in my hands and saying, is this going to be my life? My Lord. And at that moment, moment, I decided to go home and write out my action plan to become a keynote speaker. So I, I took it all the time that, you know, leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. And you have to now go out there improve that you belong, but it takes an action plan. So I also have a four-step action plan that I use to develop, I even call it my professional development leadership action plan. So number one is you have to develop the idea of being a leader that's and that's the vision you're trying to achieve. That's good. Number two, you have to ignite the passion from side of you to start and push and take immediate action towards You're trying to achieve that's good. The third is you have to inspire others around you with your actions, not by your talking, by your actions to get to join you in your crusade to, to be great. And number four is and the hardest one of all is repeat is to do it not just once, not just twice, every single day, like in football, every single day every single play. <laughs> the repeat is, is really hard because people will sometimes they had they have success for a day or two. They're like, Oh, I'm good that's like for me being a speaker. I have to, every single day, get work done, meet people, connect on LinkedIn, do great interviews like we're doing right now Dr. Sims, get the message out, get the name out. If you get a little bit of success and you put on autopilot and you chill, that's when things blow up in your face. And I learned that the hard way in my construction business in 2008, 2013, when we start having great success. Continue to work hard and digging even harder and working even more like I should have. I put it on autopilot, and then that was the beginning of the end for me and my business uh, with, uh, with my old construction company, Caden Premier Enterprises.
0: Yeah, and you know that being said, that that may be and and chase a an itty bitty rabbit. That may be why. Um, teams like your Alabamas and your New England Patriots, what they do every year is so phenomenal because they don't rest on their laurels. And so that's one of the dangers of success. So so what is different about Marcus Ogden today than the Marcus Ogden between 2008-2013 where you got, you, would you say you got a little comfortable?
1: I'm more focused now. I, I create businesses that rely heavily on me and maybe one or two other people for success or a small, small team of people, one. Two, as I'm starting to get more success in this business as a speaker and trainer, all that, I work even harder. I go to the gym six days, seven days a week. I take care of myself, my physical fitness, my mental stability, and I'm always, and I'm a much better, I'm talking right now to PNC Bank, about speaking at their diversity and inclusion conference in Pittsburgh in May, awesome. and one of the board members asked me a question. He said, "Marcus, what do you think is the number one reason that you went out of business and it was your business?" And he, and I could have said, "Oh, you know, mistakes by my employees. Oh, right. you know, mistakes by you know what I told him." What you tell him? I said, "The inclusion atmosphere and the inclusion." You know, um, I want to say, you know, uh, the inclusion environment right. that I allowed in the beginning of my business, I literally, when I started to become successful, I stopped letting that environment in.
0: That's good. I
1: stopped listening to people. I shut down when people were trying to talk to me. It would go in one ear and out the other. I remember one of my best employees. My name is Colin Snow, phenomenal man, great estimator, told me in the summer of 2012 Marcus, by the end of the year, we're going to be bankrupt.
0: My lord. Because
1: we're, exa- we're exhausting too many resources on this project, the DHMH. And I said, Colin, you're crazy. We've got a line of credit. Colin, we just got this. Colin, we all these other jobs. He said, The Marcus, yes, look. We're exhausting all the men on this one job that we have that we don't have a signed change order for, but we're, we're ignoring our other job. I said, "Colin, don't worry about it. The turn. is going to take care of us. They're working on contract, wow. They love us. Da da da." And the minute I told him, "Thanks very much, Colin. I'll take an acceleration," he could tell I was blowing him off. My that was Lord. a Friday. That Monday, he walked in and gave me his two-week, his two-week resignation. And I said, after his resignation, I literally just went into the tank because I had lost my best employee that really told me what was going on. So my answer to the question of how I lost my company is me, the number one person, the majority owner, the CEO, the one who found the company, the one who started the company, one whose money was involved. I stopped creating an environment where inclusion was welcomed. And the minute that happened, Dr. Sims, my best employee left, things went into the tank, we got the wrong employees, people gonna tell me what I wanted to hear, and by December of 2012, we started the process of, filing, of closing the doors. By March of
0: 2013, the company was closed, the office was foreclosed, and I had
1: moved in the middle of the night in shame and desperation and just embarrassment from Baltimore to Carolina and didn't tell a soul.
0: My Lord. And when
1: I got down here, all my employees, like, what happened? And I had to leave because I just couldn't deal with the pressure. And doctor, I'm uh, not doctor, I'm sorry. Uh, Belle Robinson said procrastination is a stress reliever, and she's right. Because I felt relieved for a hot minute, but then, of course, a few months later, all the calls started coming. All the people started wanting stuff, so I had to start the process in April, late April, early May of 2013. I had to start the process of filing for Chapter Seven bankruptcy.
0: Oh my goodness, man! Oh, so, so did you uh, between then and now? Have you reached out to that young man and kind of uh, thanked him, I have, Talk to him?
1: I have not. I have not, but if I ever saw him or came across him again, I would definitely let him know how great of an employee he was and how I'm sorry that I didn't listen to him because he could have saved my business. Even though I was probably too far gone, Right? You know, I would like to tell him that what he tried to tell me was great information, and I'm sorry that I was younger and inexperienced, and I did not allow the inclusion environment that I had created when I opened the door in 2008 to continue, and when I stopped listening to other people like him That was the beginning of the end for me as a a contractor in the city of
0: Baltimore and the state of Maryland. Man, that, that, and you know what? That lesson you learned was priceless, wasn't it?
1: Oh, anytime you can learn that, you know, and this is where diversity and inclusion, like, and this is why, When I'm speaking or looking on sales calls to people, this is what I tell them, like, you're buying my story. That's good. How many people can tell you they've been in the NFL to an eight-figure business owner, to a bankrupt business owner, to fired from two jobs in a week, to a janitor working in downtown Raleigh on the graveyard shift.
0: Oh, wow. To now
1: a master storyteller and keynote speaker.
0: Wow, wow wow that is that's phenomenal that's phenomenal Marcus. that's phenomenal i i'm just I'm, you just don't know how honored we are. Uh, to have you today and it is speech to the type of man that you are to take a few moments and uh, mm-hmm. spend some time with me. I really, truly truly appreciate you. Uh, so in the last few moments of our interview, we got a couple more minutes. What's next for you? because uh, uh, your story is is so expansive. Uh, you've done a lot, you've accomplished a lot, uh, you've been through a lot. Uh, so what's next for you, Marcus?
1: What's next for me is building this expert speaking academy online with my partner out of Houston. Uh, what's next to me is starting to now work with more speaking bureaus. Uh, i met with Mel Robbins in Boston, she loves my story, she's very, she can relate to so many people. So she hooked me up with her main speaker bureau and she's hooking me up with her manager to look at working with me to get more speaking engagements across the globe. And I'm in the process now of uh, looking to expand the academy to, you know, once a year, making it bigger, much more you know, exciting, and then looking to eventually Get into maybe some stuff on TV, uh, looking to you know, get into some stuff maybe in Hollywood or some other things like that from a standpoint of potentially as the brand grows and gets more exposure, trying to get uh, my life story made into a movie uh, at some point as well.
0: Oh, man. I mean, you and man, that would be totally awesome. And maybe uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson can play you in the NFL.
1: That'd be awesome. I love him. I love that's, a, that's, a, that's a great
0: idea, actually. You know, I think I think he would do you justice. I think he would do you justice, man. Well, listen, give out your contact information uh, real quickly and talk a little bit about your event that we're going to see each other at in May if you want to. And yeah. give out your contact information.
1: People can reach me on uh, my website, which is www.marcus, M A R Q U E S, Ogden O G D E N, public.com. Speaker.com, or you can also reach me on my other website for my leadership academy, which is www.ogdenleadership.com. And again, you can always contact me through email, which is Marcus, N A R Q U E S, at ogdenleadership.com. And again, uh, you know, if you're looking for start speaking event, or you're looking for someone to do some executive coaching, I mean, I have clients such, uh, I have clients that work for companies like IBM, Home Depot, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of brands, you know. And I'm actually excited. I'll be working with the National Football League uh, next month in working with current NFL players to help them. That want to learn how to public speak and tell their message. So when their careers are over, when they transition out of the NFL, that's good. they're not having the same type of gap that I did when I left the game. So that's they're pretty much good. More pre- they're much more prepared. And that's going to be March 18th through the 21st. At the University of Southern California.
0: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, again, man, I know you gotta, uh, you gotta get out of here. You're very busy. Thank you again for being here. And uh, this is gonna be back on replay on my uh, iTunes channel, and that's bit. dot. slash doc iTunes. But I'll put that link on Twitter, uh, so we can get everybody to listen All back at it. But this has been phenomenal, man. Thank you so much. Right. And uh, just, just love you, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in May.
1: Yeah, man, the Academy is May seventeenth and eighteenth at the Green Valley Ranch Casino Resort and Spa in
0: Henderson, Nevada. That's awesome. That is phenomenal, man. And I just just so proud of the man that you are, Marcus. And uh just thank you again for your time, Doc. And you hey, hey, you continue to score touchdowns, man. So I can plan. I look
1: forward to it, Doc
0: Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Hey, guys, that was Marcus Ogden. That was phenomenal. That was pretty good, y'all. Listen, just because you just cause you fumble, the game isn't over. Y'all hold tight, and we'll be right back.
1: You're listening to WJPMG, 106.3 FM, where we keep you motivated and jamming all day long.